0: Well, I hope you're enjoying Patriarch the retelling of the biblical story of Abraham by me Colin Piper if you are then do visit the website BibleNovels.com where you'll find out more about how it was written why it was written as well as some of the other things going on around the world which uh, I'm very passionate about in terms of youth ministry otherwise visit the Facebook group and the community there Bible Novels Patriarch chapter 5 part 4 The angels who'd been entertained by Abraham had made their way down to Sodom. At first it was a pleasant enough walk. The sun set beautifully before them and gave just enough warmth to make the pair comfortable in their adopted human forms without being coming hot and thirsty. But from the moment that the sun dramatically dropped out of the sky, it was a different story. The residual heat of the day still warmed them, but the light was fading fast. There was a sense of urgency now to reach the city gates before dark. Not that they were afraid. They knew they would face danger inside or outside of the gates. Rather, there was much to do that night, and they were anxious to complete their business. Surprisingly, their arrival at the gate wasn't met by the customary challenge It appeared Sodom was not too bothered about what happened outside its gates. Since Kedorlaoma had been defeated, the the city had enjoyed a short time of independence without the need to pay dues to anyone anymore. Quite quickly, it had retreated back into its careless state, its own little world, where it set the rules and did what it liked – And so the angels needed to challenge the city, not so much to wake them up, there would be little sleep in Sodom tonight, but in the midst of their frenzied activity, to recognise the presence of someone from outside. The first guard to respond to the call and to seek out the shadowy figures below was a large, unattractive man, who bore the scars of many battles, few of which he could remember the morning after. The most striking was a lengthy and deep scar down his right cheek, which hadn't healed properly. It gave the man a fearsome appearance, and in his case what you saw really was what you got. He was less than impressed with the cries of the outsiders, but his expletives aroused the curiosity of another, who was always somewhat more open to the arrival of strangers. By contrast to his colleague, this guard was a small man who ordinarily would have been bullied by those about him, yet in Sodom he had his uses and was able to use them to ensure against injury and even ensure a pretty good standard of living. For reasons which would mystify most of the outside world, he was able to control the brute that stood beside him and not the other way round. The small guard couldn't see the pair outside, but the response to his questions aroused more interest still. Not that he was at all interested in what they said. What excited the man now stumbling down through the dark to open the city gate were the voices to him, they were voices of angels, and he was now desperate to see their faces. The second guard's excitement was undisguisable to anyone in the vicinity of the gate, and to one there in particular. He knew these men and understood the source of their interest. Notionally, at least, it was his job to protect order, although his very appointment to this role was a sign that Sodom wasn't too interested in order. Rather, he sat where he sat every evening since his appointment, on to the city legislative council, seeing and judging all that happened in Sodom. Lot had accepted his position onto the ruling council without any enthusiasm, but rather with resignation. It was his fate, his punishment even, so that now each day he served the community he loathed and endorsed all he despised. Each evening he sat, tantalising near to the gate and freedom, but held prisoner by some spell. It wasn't wealth. He had as much in the fields outside under Eber's guidance as here within. It wasn't excitement. That had gone long ago. It may have been the need for acceptance and respect, but if it was, Lot knew that he was deceiving himself. Perhaps he just no longer had the energy to get up and walk out through the gates. That was probably it. Ever since that dreadful day when he'd been taken prisoner and led away, he'd pretty much lacked the energy and resolve to do anything. He was a prisoner as much of his lethargy and resignation as of the city and its vices. If only he could have run the day those years back when he'd had the chance. Barely a day went past without his mind going back over the well-worn memory. He had been rescued by his uncle from his capture and removal from Sodom and shown an escape route before his return to Sodom. Instead, he was somehow bound, emotionally at least, and led away, back into the prison which the city had become to him. And now he sat tonight as every night, a judge and arbiter for the city at their gates. It seemed he was uniquely qualified to be an impartial judge, forever and an alien, and apparently indifferent and disinterested in personal gain. And just as importantly to the less than good people of Sodom, he was a sort of judge who was reassuringly non-judgmental. Every night he would hear the scraps and petty infights of neighbours with minimal comment or intervention. This was how people expected and wanted him to respond and, to be honest, it was the only way he could respond. He had neither the energy nor the inclination to do anything other. He was a shadow of the man who sat in the shadows, used but not liked. An official who would one day die, unmourned and soon forgotten. And as if to prove the point, as the city gates opened... He was ignored. He was left in the dark, his torches were raised to the faces of the strangers and the crowd never even thought about concealing from the grey official the dreadful and lured gasps of delight and desire as the guests were taken in. On the other hand, Lot's gasp on seeing the visitors was an inner one. He too had been stirred by what he saw, but with an excitement of an entirely different nature. He had desired what he saw in these two men ever since he'd seen it in two others years before. In that briefest of moments of freedom from the grip of both omer and Sodom, he watched Abraham, his exalted father, meet Melchizedek, the king of kings. In his broken and bewildered state that day, something he saw made sense. Well, it didn't make sense because it it was unlike anything he'd ever experienced before or could explain in any way. But that was the point. In an utterly pointless, futile and even evil life, here was something other. Something he couldn't understand because of who he was, but something all the same he knew was right. His one regret, which had tormented him every day ever since, was why he didn't throw himself at the feet of those men and share the feast of bread and wine the king had brought for them to eat together. Failing this, why had he not grabbed hold of Abraham afterwards and pleaded with him to make his release complete, this time from the clutches of Sodom? But he'd missed his chance come and gone, and as chance would have it, might never come again. But chance hadn't had it. Maybe there was more to life than chance. And maybe with courage there was hope too. This was it. Lot knew he couldn't let another opportunity slip by. He couldn't sit here in this confounded hell, night after night, in eternal regret. It was too much. And there was worse. If he sat and watched and then officially condoned any harm coming to these men of righteousness, then his damnation would be complete. He needed to move, to seize the moment. He knew these guards more intimately than most. He'd passed judgment on them so often that when asked, he seemed to be able to read their minds and know what they had done. And what's more, even when not asked, He could also often tell what they were about to think and do. He easily enough identified the potential source of danger for the two guests. It wasn't the big man with the scar across his face, even though he's one of Lot's most regular clients. He was merely the dog who unthinkingly obeyed his master. The danger stood beside him. A small man whose stature disguised his power, a dreadful, dark power, which threatened the very lives of the two guests. His limbs needed to work now, but they wouldn't. Instead, more people now gathered around them and hid the visitors from his his view. His resolve needed to strengthen now, from somewhere he needed to find the strength Perhaps from Abraham's God, who just that once he had so extravagantly worshipped in some dim and distant previous life. But what would that God have to do with him? He was nothing. A judge fit only for judgment. Then through a break in the crowd, he saw one of the visitors again. And the visitor saw him. He gave him a look like none he'd experienced before. A look of understanding and recognition. This was no ordinary man. He was a messenger. Lot knew that. But from whom and with what message? Lot just wasn't used to reading these sorts of messages. If only his uncle were here, he would knew what it all meant. But Lot did know that something was being communicated to his spirit, something which bypassed his ears and even his mind, but seemed to penetrate right into his heart. At first the message seemed to suggest something which was utterly crazy. It suggested he was righteous. Oh, but he wasn't righteous. He knew that. It was madness. And Lot tried to reject the suggestion as he had all other spurious claims he dealt with already that evening. And still the words just grew stronger and clearer. He was indeed righteous because he was declared righteous. Still the words made no sense. And still Lot tried to refute them, but they wouldn't go away. In fact, not only did they grow stronger, but they seemed to speak life into Lot's whole being, his resolve, and even his limbs. He found the strength in his body to stand, and then found he was walking towards the small group, until finally Lot made it to the place he'd wanted to go for so very long. He bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, with a feeling which surprised all who heard it, but none more so than Lot himself. And it more than surprised him. Somehow it ennobled him and emboldened him. It gave him confidence to go on. Please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. (laughs) At that moment, if Lot had known, he was emulating his uncle's invitation just a few hours before. He would have been inspired still further. But he didn't. And in any case, the the good feelings which he had momentarily known had been all too quickly swamped by fear. His offer of hospitality hadn't been purely customary. It had begun out of an inner need and desire to spend time with his men, a need and desire entirely different from the ever-growing crowd gathered at the gate, but in many ways still selfish for all that. It had, though, ended with a very real concern for the safety of the visitors as the needs and desires of the crowd became more apparent to him. Not that the visitors seemed at all concerned. Rather, they seemed naively and dangerously oblivious to their predicament. Apparently, nonchalantly, they answered, No, we'll spend the night in the square. Not once did it occur to Lot he might have been snubbed All he knew was that if he left these men to sleep in the square, they would be dead by morning. Ordinarily, even this would have been a concern to him. He he doubted he would have had the strength or resolve to do anything about it. There were, however, no ordinary men, and from somewhere the strength and resolve came again. He had no idea from where it had come. It wasn't the urgency of the situation. He'd been here before, and normally, as such a, cl- a crowd closed in on him, it would suck him in, and both he and his resolve would disappear, lost in the crowds. Now, though, he'd been given the resolve to act and speak if just for the moment he would do the right thing. He spoke like he'd never spoken before. He insisted strongly refusing to be deterred even by the obviously bemused crowd or by the somewhat indifferent visitors and he prevailed they agreed now all he needed to do was get them home and something inside him told him to seize the moment of courage and opportunity the crowd was still in wonder at the two guests and also bluntly shocked by lot's very unusual passionate intervention Although such was the mood that the present paralysis could turn into a violent reaction any second, there was no time to lose barely had the two agreed than they found themselves being manhandled through the crowd and down one of the three main alleyways which led away from the gate with ears strained to hear any attempt at pursuit lot dived down a smaller and darker alley off the main thoroughfare he couldn't yet detect the sounds of anyone following still the elements of shock surprise or something must be restraining the guards and their motley crew but there was no time to waste anymore and any pretense of formality or decorum was abandoned in the mad dash through the narrow dark alleys to Lot's house. The three of us stumbled through the door and Lot slammed and bolted it before falling back against it for good measure. But still all was quiet and Lot sighed a massive sigh of relief. Not that the danger was over, Even now he was at a loss to know exactly what to do. He'd bought some time and could only hope that would be enough. Maybe the guards would lose interest or be distracted by something or, more likely, someone else. That was the best he could hope for. The worst just wasn't even worth contemplating. As Lot, though, began to calm down from the exertion of the run and rescue, he became more aware of the environment into which he'd brought his guests. No one had been prepared for visitors this evening, and it showed. In the context of the relief of finding safety, it seemed somewhat pedantic to apologise for the state of the place. But Lot did anyway. It wasn't a rich or sophisticated home like Terra's in Ur, but it was substantial for Sodom. It included a courtyard and communal area to remind Lot nostalgically of those Mesopotamian days. There was also a range of rooms used by various family members. Somehow, Lot's wife had reared two daughters, sadly in her image, and these two had somehow attracted two fiancés, who Lot considered deserved their fate. It wasn't a happy home. And Lot spent as little time there as possible. He honestly didn't particularly like his family and he knew that the feelings were mutual. Each led their own lives, sharing a base together, but little else. Tonight, though, all happened to be at home and were now assembling in the courtyard by the gate, first to investigate the commotion and then to inspect the two strangers. The years hadn't been good to Lot's wife. She was a sizeable lady who bemoaned and begrudged the childbirth which she blamed for all her many health problems. Not that Lot or anyone else was taken in by these complaints. All knew the true cause of the woman's problems were greed-related. Normally she would cover up her somewhat unattractive bulk with expensive clothing, makeup and perfumes, but this evening she was caught unawares. Her unprepared appearance was shocking, even to those who lived with her, and her daughters in particular looked at her with undisguised disapproval and even alarm. Neither had any real love for their mother, but then neither had any real love for anyone, even their fiancés. Both viewed the world from one perspective alone, the impact people or events would have on them. All other considerations were ruthlessly dismissed as irrelevant. Their mother's appearance therefore shocked them momentarily as they wondered what this meant for them in later life. The thought didn't last long, as few thoughts of the future ever did. In any case, they were young and beautiful, or at least their fiancés thought so, And that was all that mattered. They needed protection and family, and these men would provide for their needs. They were not the brightest of males, but that mattered little. If anything, it was helpful. They were controllable and consequently controlled. Both women knew the power of a dress, loosely pinned across the shoulder. Not too loosely, actually, to reveal anything, but loose enough to suggest everything. They enjoyed the power they exerted and would play with their men with a bend or a lean, well choreographed to hypnotise. Not that the men saw it this way. In fact, there were few things they saw or understood as they really were. They were men of Sodom, who saw the world in the Sodom way. In every way, that is, except one. One which was something of a relief to Lot. Here, at least, he knew his guests would be safe. His family may not look or act particularly attractively, but by and large, they were harmless. All he needed to do was busy them and give his guests some respite. So he attempted to persuade his wife and daughters to prepare some food for his guests. None were keen on the prospect of bread-making at this hour and ultimately agreed to the bare minimum of preparation, bread without yeast. It was hardly a feast. But time was short and in any case Lot was still very distracted. He strained to hear each and every noise from outside the compound and in his increasingly paranoid mind everything was amplified and then analysed. But as time passed, without his worst fears being realised, he slowly allowed himself to relax and even ate some of the flat bread his wife had found, time to prepare after she'd attended to the more important and demanding task of her face. Ultimately, though, neither particularly appealed to him. And so he turned his mind To preparing beds for his guests. And then the hammering at the door began. Listening to the Patriarch podcast. For more information, you can go to BibleNovels.com where you can become a Patreon supporter to support Overseas Mission.